My name is Nicole. I am a missionary to the college campus at UW-Madison with my husband, Tom, and our two boys. Um, and I am so incredibly grateful for every moment that I get to be back here at the mill, seeing my family and reconnecting with all y'all. I'm going to stand up here. Is that okay? There was a lot less people in first service because I think everyone was still in the woods. Um, so... Yeah, I, was, I had a really good uh, hunting joke, and then I was like, wait, I'm guessing if you're here, like, you probably don't hunt. So then I was like, I'm just going to let it go. But um, anyways, so I can't get over every time I walk in this store, and I see that big, bold rendering on the back wall. You guys, that's amazing. It sits and reminds me of God's faithfulness, um, not only to this church, but to this community. You see, um, part of my story is I actually accepted Jesus right here in these seats um, almost about eight years ago. And it was because of God's faithfulness and the faithfulness of his people, their obedience when he said, come to Stratford, um, provide a chair for some crazy girl that you don't know yet, but she's going to fill it and she's going to know me. And that's what happened. And that rendering on the back wall, you guys, that building is going to, it's going to happen. It's, it's going to pop up on Highway 97. And because of your faithfulness in this room, you're going to provide a chair for some person that you don't know yet that is going to come to know and love Jesus because of your obedience to Christ. And so, you guys, don't give up. I want you to be encouraged this morning. Press in um, to, to your commitments. Um, be faithful to fulfill them. Um, Tom and I, we are in this with you. We have not stopped giving to bold since the moment that it started. And so um, we believe that God is going to do mighty, mighty things in and through this community. And so um, just don't give up. Watch his faithfulness in this community and in your home. So there you go. That's your bold moment for this morning. Um, so like Adam said, Pastor Zach, he is on vacation this morning, and he asked me to speak to you about gratitude. Now, with Thursday only a few days away, I thought, hey, we should stop, rewind, and think through here. Um, what is the purpose of this Thanksgiving holiday? Now, I think in today's culture and society, um, we can get really wrapped up in the traveling that we're going to be doing, um, the family that we're going to be seeing uh, the days off of work that you get, um, or what about the turkey? So uh, I made my first really uh, bad turkey mistake this year. So in Chi Alpha, in campus ministry, we throw a, a Friendsgiving, and the staff, we were uh, invited to provide the meat. And so I was like, yeah, I got the turkey. Friendsgiving was Friday, and Friday morning I'm like, all right, I got to go buy my turkey. No one told me, you need days to defrost or to thaw out turkeys. So I uh, went to festival and bought a couple packages of turkey meatballs, and there we go. Hey, it worked. I brought turkey, just in a different form. So, but we can get, true story, I'm not making that up. Um, but we can get so tied up and bogged down in all the things that we have to do, and most likely, 
in the stress that you know you're going to inevitably have from this season. And so I thought, okay, if that's all of kind of what we perceive Thanksgiving as just naturally, I'm going to Google what the correct answer is. What is Thanksgiving? And Google told me, reminded me that Thanksgiving is a season of life that we celebrate. It's a holiday that we celebrate of all of the blessings of the harvest that God has given us in this last year. We are to be grateful for the blessings that we are given in our life. Now, I think we could all agree in this room that we are to be grateful for more than just one day out of the year. Um, And yet, we see that depression, anxiety, um, stress, it's at this all-time high, right? Um, We see more divorces single-parent homes, um, drug abuse happening in our nation than we've ever seen before. And you can say, yeah, Nicole, I I understand how all of those are are prevalent, but what do those have to do with Thanksgiving? When I walk out onto our campus, which we do a lot, Madison has horrible parking. Um, So I'm walking on campus all the time, and the pain that students are trying to swallow as they're walking to class hurts seeing it. The, the, the amount of stress that they're under, the amount of regret that they walk with, I think is undeniable. And so I'm standing here this morning arguing that I think that the brokenness within our own life, um, the brokenness on the campus that I see, And the brokenness that I mentioned earlier um, is partially due from a lack of gratitude. Colossians 3, 15 through 17 states, let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Since Since as members of one body, you are called to peace, be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see, so Paul, he's writing to the people of Colossae, and he repeats the thought of being grateful three different times. Now, he's reminding them of this as they are to be obedient in Christ's ruling in their life. And so three different times, he brings up this thought of gratitude. And so we can see very clearly in Scripture that we are asked, commanded to be grateful. Now, God, he made us with a mind, body, and spirit that are to all function together. And I want us to look at that really quick. So... um, Because, like I said, depression and anxiety, we're seeing it spike more than ever now. Um, Society um, and science has actually become, like, really interested in this. Why? Um, what What is happening here? And science agrees with Scripture that gratitude is essential for the human life. It's essential. It's so essential to the point that it's right now literally a matter of life and death. And, and I'll explain why. A study recently came out that stated that gratitude has such a physical effect on your mind and body. How? It's shown that showing gratitude, having gratitude in your life consistently, 
can lower your blood pressure. It can help lessen uh, the chronic pain that you are experiencing. It can increase your energy, give you better sleep at night, and it can attribute to you actually living a longer life. So having gratitude, what it does is it actually rewires your brain and it creates new pathways for um, those happy uh, transmitters, right? We all know those, um, the serotonin and dopamine, those, those happy neurotransmitters. Like gratitude actually stimulates the production of those things in your brain. And so science, it shows us that uh, when we regularly practice gratitude, our frontal cortex it trains to retain happy and good experiences and thoughts and deflects the negative, the ones that don't belong there. That's what gratitude does. So who knew that gratitude had so much power? Who knew? I believe God did. And this morning, we're going to look, um, we're going to take a look at someone's life, an individual whose heart was not only full of so much discontent, but he was so ungrateful in the power of that that it had on him. He betrayed our Lord with a kiss. And so this morning, we are going to look at the life of Judas Iscariot. So Judas, um, he was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He was handpicked by Jesus uh, to join him in his three years of ministry. Um, Judas was a man who left everything to follow Jesus. I think oftentimes we have this picture of Judas in our minds, and he just seems like this evil, corrupt, just way out there guy that wasn't like any of the other disciples. But we actually don't see that. Scripture doesn't tell us that. Scripture says here, we see in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, that Judas was actually, it says, given the authority and power with all the other disciples to go out, cast demons out of people, heal people from the diseases that they had, just like all the other disciples. I think we, we forget that point. See, Judas, he was living so closely to Jesus that he saw amazing miracles happen, right? He was able to witness Jesus multiply all the fish and the loaves to feed the 5,000. Um, he saw Jesus literally raise people from the dead we might forget that Judas was in the boat as Jesus was walking across water or when Jesus calmed the sea to be still. You see, Jesus, he loved Judas. And he brought him in close to him, gave him a chance. Um, I think we think Judas is so far off from the disciples, the other ones, and yet they didn't. So if you can think back to the story where um, Jesus, he, he puts on his apron. He's in the upper room, and, and he, he goes to wash the disciples' feet, right? Something that a servant would do. And, and they're about to have this last meal. And Jesus states that someone in the room is going to betray them. Now, scripture doesn't tell us that the disciples were like, oh, It's Judas! I knew it! I suspected it all along. That's not what they do. They, they stand there speechless because they couldn't imagine a single person in that room betraying their Lord, right? 
And so even the disciples, the ones that Judas laughed with, slept with, ate with, they didn't see Judas far off from them. So Judas, he experienced Jesus in such a close proximity, and, and yet he betrayed him. Why? So theologians, they have uh, a couple different thoughts on this, and um, I'm just going to share two with you. So one of them um, is, we, so we read in Luke uh, chapter 22, verse 3, that Satan entered Judas. Um, some theologians at this point uh, kind of say that that's it for Judas, like he doesn't really have any other option. He doesn't have any other choice, chance. Satan entered him. Like, you know, Judas is, is uh, destined to betray Jesus at this point. Um, that he is chosen to fulfill the scripture, to have him arrested, beaten, and sent to the cross. But I kind of feel that that contradicts God's character. It contradicts the life of Jesus, his death and resurrection, Right? Jesus came to this earth to give every man a chance to know him, love him, and to be with him from eternity. And I don't feel that our Lord would set Judas apart from that and not give him that chance and opportunity. Was Judas an evil man? Yes. But I do not believe that he was born to go down a road that would be spending eternity away from Jesus. I can't. I can't believe that my God would do that. But Judas, he was trusted with the task of handling the ministry's money. So he stole um, from the ministry. He stole from Jesus. He cooked the books. And he gave every opportunity for Satan to enter him, right? Um, to root himself within Judas' heart as he was falling into temptation. Now, the enemy, he took advantage of hidden sin. He took advantage of the darkness that Judas sat in. We witness um, Judas' heart position actually in John uh, chapter 12, verses 5 through 6. And this is a story with um, Martha and Mary. So Mary comes and she... She uh, comes to Jesus' feet, and she has this really expensive bottle of perfume, and she pours it all out over Jesus' feet. And we see Judas' response here. We can see this is actually like the positioning of his heart. In verse 5, it says, that perfume, this is Judas speaking, that perfume was worth a year's wage. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor, not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he was he often stole some for himself. You see, Judas had a choice. He could have fought the temptation. He could have gone to Jesus after the first, second, and third time that he had messed up. He could have confessed the sin, bringing that darkness to light. But instead, he walked down this heart-wrenching path. So I think that no one in this room um, would say that they have the intention right now to sin. I think that no one in this room would, would say that, that they wanted to right now be tempted and, and to try to fight that. I think the response would, would, would actually be, I could never, I would never embezzle money. 
I would never, ever cheat on my spouse. I love them. You know, I would never lie to my employer. I'm an honest person. I would never let depression and anxiety rule in my life. I would never. I would never you fill in the blank. You see, sin that great and that obvious is not how Satan works. He's not going to just come and, and plop something that big at your doorstep um, knowing that we are rooted in Christ, right? No, he, he is sly, and he, he knows that it's the slow fade that works, that it's the creeping in of the discontentment that leads to ungratefulness. Um, when we start to compare, when we start to compare to those around us, I'll, I'll be honest, Culver's, worst place for me. It's not because those Butterburgers get me, but honestly, it's because I have a three-year-old who loves Scoopies, and he gets the chocolate with the M&Ms on top, and he is jazzed up until he gets it. And even when he gets it, right, we make our way to the booth, and he is just this, waiting for them to come. I mean, he's got that little, that little trifold, and he is just smacking it, like waiting. And, and I'm like, buddy, stop, calm down, right? He gets the ice cream, he comes, and even then, he's just more excited. He, he's not sitting and eating, he's standing and eating and wanting to share it with the, with the people behind us. And I'm like, ah, stop, right? And where I get in trouble is when I see the family come in and their kids are holding their hands, they're walking up to the counter, they're like, what would you like, dear? Oh, thank you, mommy, I would like, right? And they just so nicely, neatly walk over to the table. They even pull the chair out for themselves and they sit and they're just swinging their feet, waiting for their ice cream to come. That is not my Elliot. And yet, and yet, I get in trouble when I see this because I'm like, God, that looks so peaceful. Ugh. Am I doing something wrong? Am I going to be told that my kid needs to be on medication in a few years? <laughs> Please, Lord, no. But I compare, and I want that. Because the rest of my life is crazy, so why can't I just give my kid a scoopy and let him sit and eat it, right? Ugh. But it's when we compare when we compare to those lives around us that we start walking down a road that we were never meant to go down. And I have to look at my sweet Elliot and I have to ask Jesus to forgive me because I never want him to change. I will take the jumping all over the place. But my heart, it can go there if I let it. Anyone could have betrayed Jesus. It didn't have to be Judas. He made the choice that Jesus was not enough for him. The same discontentment that filled the heart of Judas, the enemy knows is possible to fill ours. The Apostle Paul, he tells us in Philippians 4, Verses 11 and 12. 
I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. You see, when we live a life of gratitude, we do not allow the enemy to speak the road of death in existence in our life. We can walk through life's challenges. You can walk through your pain. You can, you can walk through that sadness that you're dealing with. You can, you can walk through all of life's circumstances believing that God's goodness is still there. Believing that his goodness is enough. Believing and trusting in him when he says that he will use all of that you're walking through for the good of his kingdom and for his people. Now, I don't want you to sit here this morning um, and pretend that the challenges in your life aren't real and that you're, that you're not actually walking through hard things. But I am challenging you and asking, are you having a grateful heart during all of them? So how then? How do we choose to cultivate gratitude in our lives? Uh, we identify the things, the very things, that tempt us away from having a heart filled with gratitude. We all know what they are. Uh, they live dormant within us. Every single one of us, right here in this room. Right? It's disapproval. Um, it's disrespect. It's whining. It's impatience. It's uh, pessimism. It's disregard, bitterness, gossip, discouragement, complaining. And we too often let these things lay dormant within us. And like an infection, it just sits in and brews, waiting for temptation, that temptation to get poked and prodded at, so much to the point to where Satan knows, right, it's the right place with the right people, and I'm going to poke in this right spot, and it's going to ooze out of me. But we forget how selfish our sin actually is. How it doesn't just affect us, but it affects everyone directly near us. Someone once said that when you feel the poke of temptation, sit and think of what it's like to be on the other side of you. What's it like for your kids in that moment to be on the other side of you, your spouse? What must it be like to be your employer or your fellow employee when you're getting poked at? What must it sound like to that insurance agent that just doesn't get it on the other end of the phone? You see, when we can recognize the temptations that are in our heart and when we can battle with them with Jesus, we have an opportunity for him to do a work within our heart that he's just been waiting to do, but we haven't given him permission. He is eagerly waiting to give you joy. So I have this dream. Um, it's a vision. It's a vision, really, uh, that I want to share with you this morning. Um, I truly believe it's from God. I just don't know if it's for this side of heaven or not. 
okay? Um, so I envision a day, uh, one day, that Tom and I, we have this small, quaint, beautiful little cottage, and there's going to be a little hobby farm, okay? There's going to be uh, some cattle, some chickens, there's going to be some sheep. There's only going to be one llama, though, because if you have two llamas, they fall in love, and then they don't do their job. And if you didn't know, llamas, when you only have one of them, they act like a guard dog. True story. Um, so there's only going to be one llama. On this property, there's going to be a few more additional stone buildings, one being a beautiful stone cafe. There's going to be a, a fireplace in there. There's going to be these, these little wooden tables with chairs. And there's going to be one of those, um, you know, those, like, glass bubble uh, bakery, like, countertop things. You know, the sweet little pastries are on the other side. You know what I'm talking about? There's going to be that. Um, there's going to be another building on the property that, all stone, by the way, all stone, um, in, the, in this building, it's going to be where, where ministries and, and families, they can come and they can host events. Um, a space, it's going to be a space where family, like those city folk, you know, who barely have a quarter acre on their lot, they're going to come and they're going to be able to hide away in God's creation. Um, they're going to be able to feed the animals, pick the produce that we have out in this massive garden. Um, they're going to be able to pick their own eggs. And, and you know what? They're even going to be able to go hiking, like, on our back 40. Um, we're going to have, like, some wood set up over here. The men are going to come, and they're going to chop the wood, like, just get all of it out. And, and I am going to teach a class on how you can spin your own wool. Oh, yeah. You get sent home with a ball. That would be PBS for you. They, they gave me that idea. But, but really, this is going to be a, a sanctuary. This is going to be a place that you feel God in every aspect of it. One day. But there's a problem with this dream. Tom and I feel so called to college students. We feel that there is no other place in the world that we are to be except for on campus. And yet, campuses aren't in the middle of the woods, right? Unless I, like, go X-Men or something, and, and you guys aren't X-Men fans. Okay. Did you get me a little bit? All right. But, but for real, though. So, God, Why? Why, why this dream over here when I know I'm supposed to be over there? You see, dreaming can be powerful. Um, I think that dreaming, it's a gift from God. It allows us to see God's potential in our lives when we can't see it. Um, and I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if this dream is for this side or not. But... I do think it'd be kind of cool if this dream, like, stood for something. I don't know, that, that maybe this dream, maybe this dream that I have is actually meant to show us the type of ministry that God is asking us to do with college students on campus. Not with these, these beautiful stone cottages over here, but with brick and mortar over here. That the ministry that we're to have on our campus is to be a sanctuary where students can come and they can meet God and experience him in every aspect. 
Maybe that's what it is. But dreaming, it can be powerful. But it can only be powerful with a heart of contentment. You see, because I could be on this campus over here and know that I have this dream over here and be very confused and upset and allow this discontentment to form up within my heart. And all of a sudden, I could become ungrateful for the lives that God has placed in my life over here with these students. And so dreaming with God is only powerful when you have a heart of contentment for right where you're at so that he can work with it and just show you what he's wanting to do. I want to end our time together by giving you three different ways to help you pursue a life of gratitude with a heart full of contentment. Number one, assess daily. Look in the mirror. Ask yourself the really hard questions. Have I been more negative than positive today? Did I even say thank you to my spouse once? Am I caught up in tomorrow and have forgotten about the precious moments right in front of me? Where is this dissatisfaction coming from in my life? Number two, write a card to someone and actually thank them. Thank them for their life, like for real. I don't want you to text. Like, I, just put it aside. Don't, don't text. Like, Hobby Lobby has amazing stationery. Just get some. And, and, and write to the people in your life. Like, thank them. Honestly, thank them. They matter. Feeling gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping up a present and not giving it to someone. That's from William Arthur Ward. Number three, keep a daily gratitude journal. Or go on your phone and look for an app. If you can't find it, Adam can make you one, right? He <laughs> but look for an app that helps you track all the blessings throughout your day as they come. Someone holds open the door for you or you see it, pull out your phone, write it down. Your kids pull up their pants by themselves. Whip out your phone, pull it down. Put it, pull it down. Put it down, sorry. <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Keep track of the blessings that you observe throughout your day. You see, we have a choice. You have a choice. Imagine what it could look like in your marriage, in your workplace, in your family, in your class, in your school, in your community, in this church, if we had hearts that were content that Jesus was our enough, that we were grateful for all of what we have in our life. I think that joy would be a lot more present. I think that Jesus would not be someone that we just interacted with on Sunday, but that he would become everything to us. That, that seeking him would become the most important thing in our life. I think we would be able to truly enjoy Jesus the way that we were meant to. As author Suzanne Eller says, 
Let us put on a heart of gratitude until it becomes who we really are. So like a lot of the college students that, that I get to work with, um, I was once very lost, very, very lost. You know, I would come into that door and I would, I would be either drunk or hungover still from the weekend. I would be so full of shame of what I had just done. If y'all don't know Cassie Albrecht, this girl, she got saved in this place and loved Jesus and trusted you so much that she invited me to come in. And it was here that my heart was once filled with discontent. And then Jesus came. And I allowed him to fill all the crevices that I didn't know I had, to heal the broken heart that I was so confused on why me, God, right? It's been nearly eight years since I made that decision, and it's been the best one that I have ever made. And I think that there are some people in this room this morning that you are still walking into this room with a heart that's full of discontent. That you have not made Jesus enough. That you have not let him show you that he can be enough. And if that's you this morning, I just want to ask you, like, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? He wants to show you what a life of gratitude and fullness can really be like. And I invite you this morning to make that decision if you haven't. Would you bow your heads with me? And, and I just want to pray. Um, Heavenly Father, Lord, um, I thank you. I thank you so much for this place. I thank you for these people. I thank you that you have brought them here for a reason and with so much purpose. I thank you that you are a God that is present, that you are here with us now. And I thank you that you don't ever stop pursuing our hearts. And so this morning, if there are people in this room that have not yet given their life to you, Lord, I pray that they meet with you now. Jesus, that they would believe what you did for them on the cross would be enough for their life. That you would satisfy every need and desire that they have within their heart. That they believe that when they confess their sin to you, that it is forgiven, that their slate is wiped clean. That what you did on the cross is what helps them know you more. It's what brings them into eternity with you. And so I pray that if there's anyone in this room that wants to make that decision right now, that you do so. Just be with Jesus. Let him fill you in a way that you've never been filled before. Lord, help us in this room 
turn our hearts of ones of gratitude. Forgive us of the discontentment and ungratefulness that we've had. We, like Judas, have a choice. God, help us walk the path that we were meant to. Help us know and love you more. We believe that gratitude can change our lives. We believe that it is you that can change our lives. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. And we say all of this in your holy and mighty name. Amen. If you made a decision this morning to let Jesus fill your heart for the first time, I encourage you, tell Pastor Zach, talk to the staff here, let them know. One of the best things that happened to me after I accepted Jesus right there in those, chair, in those chairs is that Pastor Zach didn't let me get past that pole. He ran down to me and he, he asked me, he's like, do you have a Bible? I'm like, nope. He's like, do you have a small group? I'm like, nope. He's like, all right, well, you got to get a Bible and we got to get you into a small group. And he's like, that is what being surrounded by God's word and his people will help you live a life for Jesus. And so I encourage you, tell Pastor Zach, talk to the staff, get a Bible, get in a small group and just watch what God can do in his faithfulness in your life.